one. Welcome back. My name is Taylor Grant with Bellator Claims Resolution. I have an amazing guest today that is just full of knowledge. He is also extremely handsome, which helps and it makes it more fun. But ultimately, we're talking about something today that really has kind of thrown a wrench in a lot of people's estimating and kind of how they operate on a daily basis because what they're getting from insurance companies is not what they're pricing out in Xactimate. And we're talking about civility. And this is a buzzword and people are freaked out, pissed off and everything in between. And so I just wanted to bring on Sean and have a, a discussion regarding what this is, how it's being used, who's using it, why they're using it, and kind of just expand on this subject because it's become more and more known that there are certain insurance companies that are using this specifically and sometimes it's not in the favor of the insured or the contractor, which is weird. Do insurance companies do that? Well, you know, if you watched my Denial of the Day series, that insurance companies do all sorts of crap that is not in the favor of the insured. That's why we have amazing attorneys like Sean Hodge from the Hodge firm that can actually fight on your behalf beside us as public insurance adjusters. And Sean's a great guy. We've been working with him for years. And so, Sean, is there anything else that I have forgotten about you specifically in relation to your expertise in this market that uh, you could bring to the table? Well, well, thanks for building up my ego. You, you told me I look good and you told me that I'm, I'm great when it comes to, uh, to protecting policyholders and, and being a, an advocate on the attorney side. So so thank you for building up my ego in that regard. So absolutely, but, my friend. Uh, you, you're absolutely right, Taylor. I mean, it's you have to look at the why. You know, why are insurance companies moving away from Xactimate? And I've seen a rise the last couple of years where more and more carriers and more and more states are starting to use civility. At, at the end of the day, the reason they're doing it is to try to minimize the claim, right? They're, they don't like what Xactimate has within their estimate. And so they're trying to go in and look for some other alternative, some other software system that can provide them some plausible deniability or documentation on Here's why we're paying your claim this way. It's based upon this software, right? Mm -hmm. You really have to look at the software. And what I found through discovery and in, in the litigation side, whether it's Xactimate, whether it's Simbility, or whether it's some other you know, preferred vendor or contractor program the carriers have, when we start digging into it through discovery, what we really find out is that it, it's not a off-the-shelf Xactimate or Simbility they're using. A lot of times... They're using customized versions of the program. What? Yes. So, so explain that. Go go ahead. So they're, they're going in and they're getting with the the software uh, provider and they're saying we want to use your system, but we want to make some tweaks and modifications here. Okay. We don't like how this is calculated. We want this line item to come up this way on on our claims. And so you're getting different versions. You're getting you know. All state versions, state farm versions, uh, different versions that different insurance carriers are using, wow. and the adjusters are going in. A lot of times, the adjusters that are writing the estimates don't even realize they're they're operating under a modified version of the the program, right? Mm. A lot of times, that's done at the the top. That's a directive that comes down, and so they have their license agreement to log in with their credentials to utilize the software. They don't really know what version they're using or whether that version has been modified. That's that's crazy to me. So you, what you're saying or what I'm hearing is that there's two different versions, one that the insurance companies get to use and modify however they want to, which I'm sure is not in the favor of the insured. I'm just throwing that out there. Right. 
And then there's a version for contractors or what we call the insured side of the transaction. And the insured side is different. Like, why would they do that? It's all about controlling the process. And we've seen this for a long time going on within the insurance industry where insurance carriers used to have adjusters that came out that had construction knowledge. They had a level of knowledge and expertise. They actually had authority to properly adjust the claim. And in the olden days would actually show up with a checkbook, right? And they could cut a check and write a check to you, right? Those right. days were not that long ago. You know, 15 years ago, you still had carriers sending out adjusters that had writing authority and had a check and they could, could go ahead and settle up on the claim. The insurance industry doesn't trust their adjusters, right? And so th there's been a intentional dumbing down of the industry where they're putting adjusters out there that have no qualifications or experience, maybe had a quick online class and they're thrown out there to adjust claims. They don't have a clue about how to adjust claims properly. So what the insurance company has done is they've centralized the decision-making capabilities, right? Mm -hmm. You see that with a desk adjuster, you see that with management, you know, where you have directives coming down from the top. Instead of the adjusters out in the field having the authority to go adjust the claim, you get directives coming down from the top. Right. We're not paying for this. We're not paying for that. We're not paying for full roofs. We're paying for patches only. And so we've seen that going on for a long time. Right. On the, the context of the software, when it comes to Xactimate or Simbility, when you have a software system and all your adjusters are going out there using it, let's say you're an insurance company and you have 10,000 adjusters, you can have training and you can tell your adjusters, don't write this way or don't include this within the estimate. Yeah. Or you can flip a switch back at the corporate office and say, you know what, now under the software program we're using, we're not going to calculate overhead profit on these items. We're going to leave sales tax off these these items. We're not going to we're going to go in and depreciate labor across the board. And so there's a lot of macros that can be flipped within the software system that the carriers have that flexibility to do. And a lot of the adjusters don't even realize they're doing it, right? Yeah. When it comes to like depreciating labor, a lot of adjusters don't realize they're they may be depreciating labor on a claim not because they individually went in and checked that box within Xactimate, but because the carriers did back at the, the corporate office. Right. And so when they're logging into the system, it's already had certain parameters set up and they're just operating within those macros or those parameters that have been, been inputted by somebody else. So what you're saying though, it, it, this is happening with Xactimate and Simbility. Which... Yeah, we're, we're seeing it with both software programs where you know there's a back end to any software and anytime there's a back end, you know, that means that those that want to modify it either, you know, for legitimate purposes or illegitimate purposes. And a lot right. of times with the carriers, why are they why are they going in and modifying it from what the stock version is? They're doing it to underpay the claim. Right. right. They're, they're doing it to go in and cut, you know, 10 percent off every claim across the board Yeah. when it comes to, to things. Yeah. So. And that adds up, right? So it's interesting you said that most adjusters don't even understand or they're not even aware that this is happening because we'll talk to them and we'll go like, hey, look at line item 17. You know, on our version of Xactimate, we don't we don't ever say that because we don't know that they have a different version. But what we're saying is, can't you see if you click the box and it shows what actually is included in that line item? You know, with Xactimate, same thing probably with Simbility, right? Simbility is new and we're, we're just starting to get used to it a little bit and understand kind of how that works. But that, that is actually super enlightening because when we're speaking with that that adjuster and they have a different version, of course, they're not seeing what we're seeing. Right. And I do that at depositions all the time where 
I try to go in and recreate the individual line items, right? Like, how did you come up to this number? Because when I input this data, right, I'm getting a different output. And right. so we see that a lot. And we have to go back and reverse engineer it and try to figure out, okay, is it a different software they're using, a different version, or is it yeah. one of the inputs on the back end that's been changed or modified, you know, as far as, you know, maybe they're clicking no sales tax on this item or no overhead profit or whatever. Right. Well, and that just goes, you know, we could go down the rabbit hole, right? Because why would they do that? Underpay claims. Okay. Who, who, who does that benefit? The insurance company. Who does the insurance company work for? The insured, right? And so they're doing these things that are not in the benefit of the people that are paying them for this protection and this coverage, this contract, this policy. And ultimately what we're finding on a daily basis is that the insurance companies really don't care about their clients. You know, and, you know, I, I always preface that by let me let me take a step back. Right. Because by the time stuff gets to me and I'm sure by the time stuff gets to Sean, it is a completely different story because we are the people that insureds contact when things aren't going right. And so we are maybe a little jaded or cynical, at least I am, you know, in regards to what what we see. But ultimately, what I'm hearing from you, Sean, is like this. This isn't fair. And these are two different systems created for two different industries, really. One for the insured side, one for the insurer side. And I guess, how do they even get away with this? Yeah. So, I mean, if you look at it, you know, insurance companies have an inherent conflict, right? They come out and they adjust your claim. They're the ones who owe you the money, right? And so right. they've sold this great lie. And it, for the most part, it's been bought by the general public, which is, Hey, your insurance company's out there. They have your best interest at heart. You file a claim and they will come out and they'll document the loss for you. And they'll tell you how much your damages are. And so we've seen, you know, the last decade, cottage industries grow up around that adjustment of the claim. Right. Where, you know, what we have engineer firms that now work exclusively. I, I call them captive engineer firms. They only work for the insurance companies. Yeah. I, I've called a lot of them up and tried to hire them on my claims. Hey, can I I've retain you? Thing. And, and and they say, what insurance company are you with? Well, I'm not an insurance company. I represent the policyholder. No, right. no, we're not, we're, we're not interested in that, right? So, but you have this cottage industry, whether it's captive engineer firms, whether it's consultants, um, you know, preferred service providers, contractors they use, right? right? Uh, what we saw a lot of times when you start digging into these programs, um, these, you know, kind of managed right to repair programs where they have preferred contractors or vendors, right? They're feeding work to the contractors and vendors, but it's not sustainable. You know, most of the contractors and vendors that get involved with programs from insurance carriers are out of business in four or five years, right? Yeah. Because it's just the insurance company coming in saying, we're going to pay for this. We're not going to pay for that, right? So at the end of the day, the entire cottage industry, whether it's the engineers or whether it's the contractors, they try to co-op and bring into these preferred service provider type programs, yeah. or whether it's the estimating software all of that is designed to do one thing, minimize payouts, right. maximize profits. Right. And I, I think you bring up a point that I don't really ever talk about, right? I always talk about diminish, right? The four Ds I call delay, deny, defend, diminish, right? Because they're diminishing those payments. The other side of that is while they're diminishing the payments, their profits are going up. And that's part of what we don't see because every time they get on TV after a catastrophe, what do we hear? Oh, woe is us. We're losing money. We're not sure if we're going to be able to stay in business. Okay. Like, are, so and there, there's a difference between 
is the insurance company actually losing money or are they just actually having to pay the claims, right? Because those premiums, I mean, like at what point do they say we're actually losing money? I think it's every single time we see them on TV, it's the sob story of how broke they are and how they have to exit one state and then get into another state. I know there's some issues in Florida specifically, right? We can get into that animal at a totally different time, but like maybe go into uh, detail regarding that and kind of what you see from your perspective as an insurance litigation attorney. Sure. I mean, in- insurance companies have to make a profit at the end of the day, right? I, right. I, I don't want insurance companies to be broke. They do have to make a profit to be right. a viable business. But what you see with a lot of the bankruptcies and a lot of the receiverships that insurance companies have been placed in in, in Florida and Louisiana, Texas, kind of all across, it's, it's not because they're getting in trouble for paying out legitimate claims. It's the opposite. It's It's mismanagement. A lot of times, a lot of these carriers have had huge bonuses paid to the the CEO and the management in the years leading up to that, they made very risk, risky investments, um, either in the stock market or trying to buy out other competitors or carriers uh, within their space. And so it comes back to just poor management, right? It's not they're they're going into receivership because you know they undervalued the premium and they're they're paying out legitimate claims and it's just not, not sufficient cash flow. Rarely is that the case. Right. Uh, typically, it's it's more mismanagement. And I mean, I think this is something that really needs to be investigated. And I know APA and others have you know, been looking into this, but yeah. you see a lot of these carriers that are going into receivership because they do have losses, not losses for legitimate claims, but losses because of the bad investments and paying out the bonuses and all that to their CEOs. Right. right. And so they're looking at losses, but they just basically go into receivership or bankruptcy and then they pop right back off with a different name. It's the same same yeah, entities, totally. the same parties, right? It's just a, right. a different name, different logo. Right. But they've taken those losses and they're making the taxpayer subsidize that now because yeah. the guarantee associations are the ones that are having to, to put the bill with that. Exactly. So. Okay. Fun. So to your point, Sean, you're absolutely right. Like I want insurance companies, I want every company to make a profit, especially the, the companies that we like, because that's how they stay in business and that's how they support people and those people's families. So I get that. We want them to make a profit. We just don't want them to screw over the people that are paying their bills. And I think that's a fair request, don't you? Uh, absolutely. I mean, insurance is a vital part of the economy, right? Yeah, if you absolutely. look at, you can't have a home mortgage without having insurance on your home. You right. can't drive an automobile down the street without having liability coverage and insurance. So insurance is part of our lives. We, we need insurance. We need viable insurance companies. They need to make a healthy profit so that they're sustainable. But at the end of the day, right, they need to legitimately pay out claims. And what I've seen a lot going on is, you know, they've been chipping away at the policy language. They've been changing the laws in, in a lot of different states. And what insurance companies are, are doing essentially is creating it where most insureds are now self-insured. Right. right? Because right. They, they've established a three, four or five percent deductible then they hit you with depreciation. And so that 30 or $40,000 roof claim after you get hit with a, you know, a $30,000 deductible, right? Because home values have gone up and you got a million dollar house and you got a 3% deductible. That's a $30,000 deductible. Right. right. And then you get a depreciation that gets applied to it. And so for the majority of these claims, they realize most claims that insurance file or $50,000 or less they're essentially making the majority of the claims that get filed with the with them 
where the insured is self-insured, right? right? Where they, they don't have to pay out on the claim because for these small dollar claims, the roof claim, the you know burst pipe claim, most of those, we're just going to have the deductible so high and then we're going to over depreciate the claim to the point where the insured is strictly, you know, self-insured. Yeah, now that, that's insane because people, most people that I work with that come to me and Bellator, they don't even realize they have a percentage deductible because it's a residential. And all of a sudden, just like you said, hey, you guys, you know, or for even an HOA, we just looked at an HOA the other day. It was $11 million in coverage with a 5% deductible. And they had no idea. And they could get all of their roofs replaced before they'd even hit probably 80% of their deductible. Yeah. And they have no idea. And so it's like news to them. And so many people are caught up in that, that they don't even know whose job is that to educate them, right? Ultimately, it's the insurers because it's their responsibility to make sure they have the coverage and policy in place that they need. And it's also unfair that the, the people that should be looking out for them really aren't, right? Because everybody wants a low, cheap premium and they don't understand what they're sacrificing in coverage to get that cheap premium. So, and this is something that's been a huge issue the you know the last ten or fifteen years because historically the insurance industry has been a regulated industry, right? And so right. In, in a lot of different states, you only had you know one of two or three different insurance policies. And whether you're buying State Farm or Allstate or Farmers, it basically provided the same coverages available, gotcha. right, under the policy. Right. Uh, because they were regulated industries. Um, and as a regulated entity, you know, they may have had a different logo, but it was basically a standard premium that was being charged for a fire policy and you knew what the coverages were. And there was a big push starting about 15 years ago and it accelerated uh, until now where in a lot of states, they're not as regulated as they are. You still have the Department of Insurance that oversees insurance companies and investigates things from yeah. time to time. But there's been a deregulation of the types of policies they can issue, right? Mm. The premiums they can charge, the coverages that are afforded under those policies. Right. So now you don't have a standard policy anymore, right? right. You have hundreds of different pol policies that are being issued in different yeah. states, right? And so with those changes and modifications, it's allowed the insurance company to get creative on their side when it comes to exclusions and percentage deductibles. What they've done is basically allowed the insurance companies to go out there and write the policies how they see fit mm -hmm. that writes away coverage. Right. Yeah. And we see that a lot when we in our office, Chris, the claims manager, doing the policy review, because every claim that we get, we do a thorough policy review to make sure the coverage is there. Otherwise, we're barking up the wrong tree. So we get that. Now, I know we went off kind of on a tangent for those of you watching, but all of this kind, kind of comes together with civility because- Ultimately, it's another tool that the insurance companies use to diminish payments, which then ultimately increases their profit, right? Which is what they want. Again, we want them to make a profit, just not at the detriment of the insured who are they are supposed to be protecting, which by the time it gets to me or Sean, that has definitely not happened. Otherwise, we wouldn't be involved. So Chris and I, we always talk about on our podcast or even the denial of the day is if insurance companies did their job, we wouldn't have a job. Simple as that. Right. Right. It's not that hard to put either one of us out of business, properly right. adjust the claim, pay out what you owe under the policy. And that's it. Right. So, Crazy. Um, but they built their entire business model on doing everything but that. Right. They built right. their entire business model on, you know, maximizing the premiums, minimizing the coverages and the payouts. 
Right. So they have a bigger bottom line at the end of the right. day. So let me, let me ask you this. I know like some of the companies are mutual companies, right? And some are for-profit companies, right? What, like what is the benefit of a mutual company that's technically owned by their policyholders one way or the other? What, what's the benefit of them diminishing the, the claims? Yeah. And, and so I always think that's interesting when you have mutuals or co-ops that, that are, are, are out there. And there are some very good mutual and co-op uh, insurance companies out there. But sure. at the end of the day, you have to really look at who the true owners and the management are, right? Well, yeah, you may bank may be a quote unquote owner because you have a, a co-op or mutual insurance, right? The insurance management is controlled by the CEO, by the CFO, by the COO, right? And they have their interest, you know, first and foremost, right? So they're trying to maximize their bonuses. They're trying to maximize that, you know, the, the kingdom they've built up when it comes right. to the, the management, basically. Yeah, so, for sure. Okay. Yeah, so there, cool. there's a huge difference between, you know, the management's interest versus the policyholder's interest, even when that policyholder may be a, a quote unquote owner of the insurance company. Right. So with all that said, thanks for going down that rabbit hole with me. Ultimately, I want to kind of steer this back to the stability side of things, which is, you know, in Colorado and many other states, tell me if there's a state that it's not like this, you would know more than me, but ultimately it's contractor of choice, right? And so no matter what pricing Xactimate gives or Symbility gives, if a contractor is charging a reasonable price for the work that's being performed, do they even have to negotiate that? No, they don't. And so one, you got to follow the money, you know, follow the money and ask questions about, you know, what's the motivation to change from Xactimate to Symbility? Right. But either program that they're utilizing, right? doesn't mean that you as the homeowner have to utilize that program. Nowhere in the policy does it say that we're going to pay out your your actual damages based upon an Xactimate estimate or based upon a civility estimate, right? That's a tool, and that tool may inform your decision about kind of what the range of damages are. But at the end of the day, what I like to do if I'm getting ready to go to trial on a case, I may have, you know, an Xactimate from an expert witness or from the public adjuster that worked on the file. But ultimately, if I'm going to try the case, I always like to identify a local contractor that the insured would like to utilize right. to actually complete the repairs, right? Exactly. I want the local contractor that's there in the community that's been in business for 15 years. And I want to get a, an actual quote from them, a bid, you know, and I don't want it to be an Xactimate or a uh, civility pricing on it. I want it to be, if this was a retail client that called you and said, come out, I need to replace my roof. What would you quote them? Right. And how would you calculate that? And so that's what I I think the insurance company should be paying out on is at the end of the day, Xactimate's not out there swinging the hammer, putting your roof on. Neither is Definitely civility, not. Right. <laughs> There's going to be a contractor that's going to show up that's going to put the roof on. Right. And what the insurance company actually owes is is the average rate for that prevailing market that a contractor would charge. OK, they don't owe the top end, but they don't owe the bottom end either. Right. They owe the average prevailing rates for that locale on what a typical contractor would charge for that. And so that's why I think at the end of the day, I, on a lot of claims, I've gone back to, you know, getting with a local contractor that I have confidence in, that I know has the experience and the training and the expertise. They may not be the cheapest out there, but they have the qualifications and experience to get the job done. Right. And I get a bid from them. Perfect. OK, so I'll ask this question. We can kind of move on. But. If you're a contractor in the situation where the insurance adjuster gives you a civility estimate and says, hey, here's this, 
Xactimate, say, we'll just say it's 200,000. The stability is 150,000. And you're okay with Xactimate, but now they're trying to shortchange you by $50,000. Like, what should they do? In your expertise and experience, what is the best way to handle that if you are a contractor? Yeah. So number one, you want to make sure you're, you're talking apples to apples comparison between what's yeah. in stability and what's in Xactimate, right? Yeah. Do they have the same line items? Is it the same scope of work, right? If it is the same exact line item, same square footage, same number of squares on the roof, same scope of work and methodology for repair, and you have a difference, at the end of the day, they may rely upon, the insurance company may, may rely upon stability, right? There's nothing that shows that stability is more accurate than Xactimate is when it comes right. to that pricing. So at the end of the day, it's going to come back to who's your contractor and what does your contractor believe is going to be the appropriate charge for that. Yeah. Um, and that's why getting documentation from your contractor, having the insured identify a contractor, work with a contractor, I think is very helpful at the end of the day. Yeah. Because whether it's stability or whether it's you know XYZ estimating software that pops up down the road, right? You always have to go back to the acronym GIGO, garbage in, garbage out, right? Yes. I can I can make stability say whatever I want it to say. I can make Xactimate say whatever I want it to say. It's all about the inputs and the data you you put in that's going to give you the bottom line, right? right. And at the end of the day, you got to make sure those inputs and data are 100% accurate, right? You have a justification for why you're putting that line item in your estimates. And if you do, then you need to be prepared to fight for it. And ultimately, that may be bringing in a contractor to back it up with a, a bid or proposal. Right. And so when we work with an insured that has a contractor, usually the contractor is the one that might, you know, make that make that introduction for us. But ultimately, we tell the insured, hey, this is a team effort, right? We need you as the insured to understand what we're doing. We need the contractor to be able to do their portion, which is method repair or scope, whatever it might be. And then our expertise is really based on the policy, right? And what we can do to help the insured is enforce the policy, basically, in, yeah. in very specific terms. But yeah, it, it is totally a team effort, right? We have to work as a team. And when we do, we win like 97% of the time. It's incredible. Right. But ultimately you have to have the right contractor, the right public adjuster and a cooperative insured that understands the process, which is part of our job is to help enlighten them and educate them regarding that. So there's a lot of different things go into that. So what I'm hearing you regarding stability. And that's something you hit on there, Taylor, that I just yeah. want to, you know, I think informing the insured, whether you're a public adjuster, even a contractor or an attorney, right. Informing the insured at the front of the process right. that, Hey, this, this claim process, quote unquote, is not designed to reach an outcome that's beneficial to you. It's designed to reach an outcome that's beneficial to the insurance company. Right. Yeah. And, and so it's, you have to go in and uh, I, I love the quote from the, the Texas Supreme court, right? The Texas Supreme court said that there's a conflict with the claim process. Right. And so there's a inherent conflict and it's an adversarial process from the moment you file a claim. Right. Having the insured realize this is a adversarial process, you need to get your team together, right? You need to prepare for war, but hope for peace. And so yeah. getting that team together, building that file, building that documentation. And it's an eye-opening experience for a lot of insureds where, you know, they're they think of their insurance company like, you know, they are really there to look out for them. And at the end of the day, 
it's an eye-opening experience when they gone through the claim process once, just one time, right? Mm -hmm. They know, okay, this is a adversarial process. This is right. completely different than what I had as a preconceived ideal coming into this. You know, I had insurance and I thought I just filed my claim and everything's going to be, you know, perfectly fine. No, you're going to have to fight for your claim. You're going to have to fight for your damages. Yeah. And I, I sound like my parents, but in, in the previous generation, I think insurance companies really did try to find coverage and do the right things. And with what you had said previously, with the dumbing down of adjusters or hiring people to basically be photo takers, photographers of the, the damage and the loss without actually knowing the policy or the coverage, it, it has shifted, right? And really, I think some of the old school people that we work with did maybe have an experience that was good and expected that same experience now, which definitely is not the case. Absolutely. So with that, any other last words regarding stability? Actually, let me just kind of finish my thought, which was one of the biggest things that we're seeing, Sean, is exactly what you had said, is somebody gets a stability estimate, compares it to their exactimate estimate, and is like, oh my gosh, this is so much lower. And the first thing out of my mouth is like, did you check the line items? Is the scope of work the same? Because if it is, then it's just a dollar issue. Where is that coming from? Then it goes back to what the insurance company owes is the prevailing market value of the average that it would take to repair or replace that property, right? And right. so it is, it's a big thing for you contractors that are watching, just understand you really have to be able to take a look at apples to apples and make sure it's the same. If it's not, that's your first and probably biggest clue that you're not actually talking about the same scope of work. That's a big deal, right? And then regarding stability versus exactment or whatever else, like Sean had said, it doesn't matter what the pricing is on those documents or those estimates. It doesn't matter. What matters is, are you being fair to that insured in that market and not charging the 99th percentile, but also not charging the 10th percentile, right? It's totally different. So any last words, my friend? No, I, I think it's going to be an issue that we see, you know, more and more, you know, like I said, the the cottage industry that's come up around this, you have, you know, insurance carriers now that use, you know, different um, weather data sources that they kind of right. are captive and they control. And we can get into yeah. that in, on another podcast. But th right. there's a lot of different things that are going on, right, that are meant to, to leave the impression with the insured that, hey, we're using all these third party sources, all this third party data to properly adjust your claim. When you start digging down and scratch the surface, you realize it's anything but, right? So right. always be a little bit suspect anytime they're using a software program and when they're using a third party, right? At the end of the day, the old adage, follow the money is all you have to do, right? You have to go back and see, is there a motive? Is there a motivation there for using that engineering firm, for using that preferred right. contractor, for using that estimating software? Yeah. And quickly to talk at that point, if you're, if your engineering firm that's coming out to look at your claim doesn't do any work for insurers and only insurance companies, that's going to raise like a huge red flag, right? Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much for watching, Sean. Thank you so much for being here with us today. This is about stability. We're going to continue this conversation because I think it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger as insurance companies realize that a lot of contractors don't understand how to use stability and how to compare the apples to apples. They save money by using stability. Trust me, more and more insurers are going to start doing that because it's in their benefit and not in the benefit of the insured, which is unfair, but that's just how it rolls. So 
What I want you to do, if you're an insured or a contractor that has a claim that's not being fully and fairly paid or just outright denied, contact us at bellatorclaims.com and we'll see you on the next one.